morning, everyone. Today, what I want to challenge you to, uh, we're going to talk today, we're going to be talking about wisdom. And today, I want to challenge you that in your life, you have a choice about whether or not to pursue wisdom. Wisdom is not something that's cheap. It's not something that's easy. I oftentimes tell people that there, there are no shortcuts to wisdom. And today's scriptures are going to invite us to set our hearts on something that matters. Uh, to set our hearts on the treasure of the gospel and on the treasure of wisdom. Okay, so first I want to talk a little bit about Solomon. Don't you wish this would happen to you? I know you read the, the readings this week, you're getting ready for Sunday, and you read 1 Kings 3, where God appears to Solomon, and he says, Solomon, ask me for what you want. That never happens to me. <laughs> Don't you wish your faith was more like that? God, you never appear to me in a dream and say, Brian, what is it you want, right? I wish that would happen. I want to show you today Solomon is one of the Old Testament figures who prefigures Jesus. And we're going to talk about why that's important for today's readings um, and how that's going to relate to our gospel. So Solomon is really famous. You should know a lot about Solomon. Uh, one of the things Solomon's famous for, there's, there's three I want to mention today. The first thing is that Solomon is the son of David. Right? David is the great king, but when David dies, he said Solomon is his successor. So Solomon becomes the third king of Israel, and he follows after his father David. Now Jesus, I want to show you, Jesus is the new Solomon. He's a much greater Solomon. Where Solomon fails, Jesus is going to succeed. So Solomon is David's son. But God had promised to David, he had said, you know what, David, there will be one of your descendants who will rule forever. Right? That's 2 Samuel 7. I, you've probably heard me say it. I always, when I want people to remember this, I always say 2 Samuel 7 is the sandlot. Right? Remember the sandlot when he's like, forever. If you haven't seen the sandlot, as I always say, you can't be Catholic. Go watch the Sandlot forever. So, so God promises to David that one of his descendants will rule forever, right? So, of course, that's Jesus. And in the New Testament, that's why Jesus, at different places, refers to himself as the son of David. Because he is the Davidic king, the son of David, who will rule forever, Okay, second thing about Solomon is that Solomon, what did Solomon build? I know you have masks, but you know this. What did Solomon build? The temple, right? Solomon built the temple. And that's maybe what he's the most famous for, is he builds the temple. Well, Jesus builds the new temple. Right? In John chapter 2, Jesus says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it. Or in Matthew chapter 16, Right? Jesus goes to Peter and he says, You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. 
Jesus is the new son of David. He is the son of David who builds the true temple, the church of the living God. And then thirdly, where we're going to focus in today is that Solomon is known for wisdom. And that was because of our first reading. In our first reading, if all the things you could ask for, if God appeared to you in a dream, I, lo- I would like to think that I would say, Lord, I really want wisdom. And I hope I would pray for something like that. I don't know, though. It might be gelato, right? It might be like, I don't know, the things Solomon didn't ask for. Riches and the life of his enemies and whatever else. But Solomon asks for wisdom. Jesus is the true wise man. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, anyone who listens to these words of mine will be like the wise man. So Jesus isn't just wise, but anyone who listens to him becomes wise. Okay, so here we get to the crux of what I want to speak with you about today and what I really want to challenge you on and I want you to pray with this week. So when I was a college kid, Right? When, you, when you go to school, for a lot of people, and certainly for me, I went out to see you, Boulder. And I, I think you all know this, but I, didn't, I had no idea whatsoever that I would ever be a priest. No, no dreams of that, no hopes of that. In fact, I, I would never have wanted that. And so what I thought about all the time when I went to college was girls. Right? I know that's hard to imagine. Like, Father Brian thought about girls. I used to be kind of a big deal, okay? (laughs) But anyway, so that's what I thought about all the time. And I want to, there's a powerful experience I had my sophomore year of college that I think is actually one of the most important things that ever happened to me in my life. What happened was I was going through my conversion. I was starting to learn about Jesus, and I I wanted to go deeper. And as a, you know, 19, 20-year-old man... I was always concerned about dating and about what girls thought and all these kinds of things. But what happened was as I was learning my faith, I noticed a big difference broadly in two types of girls that were on campus. So being at CU Boulder, I just remember everywhere you went, there were just gorgeous women. They were just everywhere. I was like, what is this place? Right? Where do all these beautiful women come from? And they just seem to be everywhere. And the norm, and it's not that they were evil or bad or anything like that, but the normal thing in the world was just to live a worldly life. And so these women weren't bad, but they were normal. They were beautiful, but they knew they were beautiful. And they had a way of using that to attract attention. And it worked. In my sophomore year, something amazing happened. It was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. Was that the women I knew who were in my circle of friends who were following him, they were different. And I remember, like, this this is concrete life. I remember being in my apartment my second year of college, And I remember sitting on a chair in my room and just thinking about this. The women that were in my circle of friends, it was a small group, and they were beautiful. But they were modest. 
And there was this profound day, I'll never forget it, I was thinking about this, and I, my eye was always naturally drawn to the, to the normal women on campus who modesty was not their first virtue. And I remember sitting in my room and realizing for the first time that the women that were in my friends, my circle of friends, that they were more beautiful. That they weren't living on the surface, that they had a confidence, they had a depth that attracted my heart more than what I saw when I walked around on the, the campus. That was a massively important moment for me. It changed my life, and I still didn't know I was going to be a priest. Didn't ask for that one. Um, but that set my life on a different trajectory. And here's what I want to draw you to today. Solomon is famous for wisdom. And that image, that image of two different types of beautiful women is an image that Solomon uses to describe what it means to be a person of God. So Solomon, traditionally we understand he wrote different books of the Bible. Does anybody know what's the most famous book Solomon is famous for having written? Proverbs. Excellent. Good job. If you're watching at home, you know what everyone's doing. They're kind of whispering. They're like, Proverbs. Was it the gospel? No. So Proverbs. So Solomon wrote the, the book of Proverbs. And this is so cool. Hang with me. This is so powerful. I was praying with this last night and this morning, and I just love this. In the book of Proverbs, there are 31 chapters. And one of the themes in the book of Proverbs is that there are two women. And Solomon, as he writes the book of Proverbs, he's writing to his son. He's saying, son, listen to my words. There are two types of women. And he says, and the first woman is Lady Wisdom. And so in chapter 8, Actually, it happens even in chapter 1. In chapter 8, Lady Wisdom calls out. She cries out in the street. She says, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, in the paths she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries out. And here's what I want to say to you. Brothers and sisters, there's two women in your life. There's two voices. There's two ways of living your life. And they cry out in every soul of every human being. And so in Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 8, Lady Wisdom calls out to us. She cries out and she says to you, Come follow me. Lay aside the easy way. Take up understanding. Learn the things that lead to life and to joy and to wisdom. But in Proverbs, there's a second woman. And it's in, in Proverbs chapter 2 and 3 and, and through the early chapters, but then again in chapter 9, we have Lady Folly. Or, 
She's also known as the seductress. And the same thing happens in Proverbs 9. There's this woman, Lady Folly. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the high places of the town, calling out to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. She calls out to them and she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, and her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Brothers and sisters, Solomon, wisdom, who speaks to us of wisdom, tells us that in your soul there are two ways. There is Lady Wisdom, and I know you know this. In your life, the world cries out to you, and the way of foolishness cries out. And by the way, the world is attractive. And it says, hey, you know what? You live a good life. Don't worry about it. You know, telling this little lie at work, does it really matter? It's not a big deal. Just tell that lie. Get ahead. It'll make your life better. Right? The seductress cries out in our souls and she says to us, live for pleasure. It's okay. Everybody else does it. You've heard that voice in your soul and I know you have. In today's readings, the call for wisdom the true Solomon, the true son of David, the true wise man, Jesus Christ, he cries out in your soul. And he says, come, follow me. And the drama of human life, the drama of every one of our stories is which voice will you follow? Which voice are you going to come after? And I know you've heard that. Brothers and sisters, our task is that the way of the world is always easier. And it's always flashing. And sometimes in the church, it seems like the way of holiness and the way of following what God calls us to, the way of wisdom, it's not as attractive at first. But we know it's better for us. And in the end, it's just like those women that I was friends with in college. It is a far greater beauty. It has much greater depth. Wisdom, Solomon tells us, and this relates to our gospel, in Proverbs chapter 2, Solomon says this. And again, this is still, he's talking to his son. He says, if you cry out for insight... If you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Today in our gospel, Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. And here's my challenge to you this Sunday morning. 
If you are not seeking, if your heart is not burning within you saying, God, give me wisdom. Lord, protect me from the dangers, from the sirens of the world that cry out to me and that look so good. Lord, help me to resist them. If you're not making that prayer, if you're not seeking wisdom, you will fall for the temptations of the seductress. That's our our call today. That's what God calls all of us to. Which voice are you listening to? And are you not just saying, yeah, Father Brian, I know. I know I should seek wisdom. I know. I know that's better, but I'm not that bad of a person. I'm just kind of normal. That's not enough. You are called as a person of God to pursue him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's the first commandment, right? To love God with all our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our strength. One of my favorite uh, phrases right, comes from uh, Oscar Wilde. And I love coming back to this. I come back to this a couple times a year. Oscar Wilde says the definition of a cynic is someone who knows the cost of everything and the value of nothing. A cynic is someone who knows the cost of everything and the value of nothing. Today in the gospel, brothers and sisters, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure buried in a field. And so he goes off and he sells everything he has. If you're going to follow Jesus, do not believe the lie that you can be ordinary and still have Christ. No, you can't. If you really want to follow Jesus, he will say to you, go sell everything. Lose your life. And the world is cynical. The world sees the cost. And they say, why would you do that? Why would you sell all you have? If you saw that man who found the treasure and you just saw him selling everything, you'd say, you're crazy. But you know better because you know about the treasure in the field. So today, brothers and sisters, do not listen to the voice of the world. Do not go the easy path. Listen to wisdom as she cries out in your soul. And know, know in the depths of your heart and your mind, right, that when you sell everything for Christ, you gain the greatest treasure ever. Jesus, give us wisdom today. Lord, may we resist the lies of the world, the seductions that it offers us. Son of David, give us wisdom that we may find the treasure buried in the field.